Hello and welcome to episode 90 of the Mark and Me podcast. As always, I'm your host Mark. Joining me on today's episode is actually two guests. I'm joined by the writer and the star of the film St. Francis, Kelly O'Sullivan. But not only that, the director Alex Thompson is here for the chat too. So you're getting two guests for the price of one. I'm really, really thrilled that they've joined me for today's episode. I was lucky enough to see a screener of St. Francis, and it's an amazing film. It's one of the best indie films I've seen in a very long time. I'd put it up there with the likes of Juno, Little Miss Sunshine. It really is that great. I'm not going to tell you what happens in it because I urge you all to go out and see it. But if you love drama, you love comedy, it's got all the elements you need. It's absolutely fantastic and I can see Alex Thompson going really far. And the writing from Kelly is absolutely sublime. So honestly, I can't wait to share this interview with you all. You know the score by now. I like to touch base and go back about the last episode. So on episode 89, I was joined by Matt Eskandari. Now this was a great interview where we got to find out all about directing films and obviously his most recent title, Survive the Night. And to get the insight on what it's like to direct people like Bruce Willis I thought was great. As always guys, the reception on the social media was fantastic. I got lots of emails saying how much people enjoyed it. And it's a really good time at the moment. I kind of not going to spoil it, you know the score, I don't tell you who's coming on the show, but I've had the best couple of weeks with Mark and me. I've been sitting doing some of my favourite interviews, I've got new topics, new subjects, and it really is the time when I've fallen in love with the podcast the most, so you've got some absolute awesome stuff coming your way. I easily think the last couple of episodes I've recorded this week are my favourite personally, and I'm just like sitting there now going, when do I release them, when do I release them? But it, it won't be long. But let's get back into today's episode. If you're not paused this podcast right now and you're sitting there watching St. Francis, you do it after the episode, okay? But in the meantime, here's my interview with Alex Thompson and Kelly O'Sullivan. Both of you, I'd like to thank you for joining me today on the Mark and Me podcast. Thank you for having us. Yeah. What I want to do is start, Kelly, with yourself, if that's okay. And I want to know what it was like growing up and kind of what were the films you were watching or the directors you were watching that made you fall in love with film? Yeah, I always feel so silly for saying this, but I was watching like MGM musicals. So I was watching Singing in the Rain and Seven Brides for Seven Brothers. And um, yeah, like Brigadoon, tons of Gene Kelly and and just big, huge musicals on screen. And um, I think that was why I like started to love theater as well. Most of my background is in theater. And so I was, I was drawn to that on screen as well. But then I was also watching like Abbott and Costello and I Love Lucy and, and lots of like old Hollywood comedians. So I don't know if there was anything that was hugely um, like high art, yeah. but lots of things that were full hearted. So was there a certain film or a certain performance or something that captured you to say, this is what I want to do? Because obviously everyone loves films and going to the cinema and theatre, but what was it that made you think this is something I want to do? I just loved it when I was a kid. I started acting when I was six years old in the local theater. And so I think even watching like the adults in the plays in the children's theater, I was like, this is what I want to keep doing. And I loved the community so much. Um, And then when I was in college, I went to go see Proof on Broadway with Mary Louise Parker. And I was like, oh, you don't just have to sing and dance. You can be like a grounded human as well. Um, And so a lot of my experiences were sort of in the theater that made me think this is what I want to do. That's awesome. And what about you, Alex? Weirdly, I grew up similarly watching movies that 
were released before like 1960. So I, I grew up watching a lot of films with my grandfather. So Humphrey Bogart films, sort of the, the epics of David Lean, which casting the Sundance Kid. And I was, I remember finding like VHS tapes that had been recordings of films from TV. And they were like treasure troves and watching these like scratchy, horrible transfers, but just being like so hungry for the stories. Yeah. And that's when I knew I was like, well, if I can watch this like faded yellow re-recording of the sting on VHS on a basically like five inch screen at my family's cabin and love it, then there must be something to this. With yourself, you were directing and obviously producing, but you did some TV work quite early into your career. Is that correct? As a production assistant, that's yeah. right. And then obviously went into directing, you did some short films quite early on. Well, how did you find that? Obviously doing your own spin on something and taking a film and trying to direct it, because obviously it's a huge responsibility. People don't really realise how much work's involved until they get involved in a project. But to be a director, even of a short film, was it a real learning experience kind of doing those early short films? Oh, yeah. I mean, the, the first short film that I directed was Irene and Marie. And it was a real like, write what you know situation. But everything about my life, I wouldn't want to see in a film. So it was all about my grandmother's life. And that was difficult just because I didn't yet know how to talk to a crew. I didn't know how to talk about vision or tone or performance even. Um, so it really introduced, it was like a crash course in just process, working with these incredible actors and um, and then the second short film I did was while I was a production assistant on that TV show, Mind Games. And so it was using a lot of crew members from the, the TV show. They would come out on the weekends and help me on the short film. Yeah. And it, it was so incredible um, to have that support and that goodwill. Um, but I, I like working on other people's work more than on my own scripts. I loved working with Kelly's script because... There's like a there's a process of translation that makes it more fresh, more exciting, um, and you can always second guess it and have somebody who comes back at you. Whereas with your own work, if you second guess it, there's no one there but yourself. So is it more, is it more intimidating though when it's someone else's work? Are you kind of into that mindset of like, oh my god, I need to do them proud. I need to do this well. Well, this this script for sure. Yeah. I mean, this script, I was I was sure I was the wrong person to make it, and it was a it was twenty three days of insecurity <laughs> every day, waking up and saying I I have something to offer. Um, but I, I think that's how that's how every project I've been on has been. Really, it's like it's a fresh thing every time. And for you, Kelly, obviously you've been acting in TV, films, even video games. Uh, I was doing some research earlier today and I've seen you've done some voice work and all, all the different types of things. But what is it you love the most? Because obviously we'll talk later on about your most recent release of St. Francis. But do you love the writing? Do you love the, the kind of um, the acting in TV or the big budget films or the, the small sort of voice work? What is it that adore the most? Well, I'm still so new to writing, but so far that's the thing I like most. Yeah. And I think I was sort of spoiled the first time around because I had a great director who valued my opinion. And I got to work with a bunch of my literal friends. Like I wrote roles for people I knew. So I've been very spoiled and I didn't have to answer to studio notes. 
So, so far it's been a very pure experience, but it's, it's also the best because you can put so much of yourself into it. You can put so much of your vision into it. Whereas for me being an actor, sometimes that's hard to do because you're, you're filling a role that somebody already has an idea of. And if you're not a famous actor, you don't have a choice of which roles you play most of the time. So is it a case at the moment that have you got um, an agent or do you go out and look for work yourself or how does it work in the way of trying to get these roles in stuff like Not Welcome and uh, all these other films you've done previously like Jessica and stuff, have you got someone that's working with you or is it a case of going to different auditions that you see available? Yeah, so I have an agent, I've had an agent for a long time and they sort of send you a script and they send you a breakdown of the role and they say, do you want to go in for this? Yeah. And then you do and you have the audition, you meet the director and if it goes well, then they want to put you in the movie. But um, Chicago, we kind of all know each other. So a lot of those roles I got because somebody saw me in a play or because somebody had worked with another actor who recommended me. So it's a bit of who you know and um, letting your work get you other work and then also just going in for auditions. And there are going to be quite a few people that play video games listening to this. How did it come about being involved in Watch Dogs? Obviously I, I don't play, I don't have the time for games, but I know people were raving about this game sort of five years ago. How did that come about having to do voice work? I do voiceover auditions. I do voiceover work and my agent just sent me an audition for this. But I loved that job so much because I spent four hours and they were like, now we're going to have you die in every (laughs) possible way. And so they were like, at the end of the session, after I'd all done all the scripted stuff, they were like, okay, now imagine that you're dying and you're, you're drowning on your own blood go and so then I would just scream and go (laughs) and I would do that for like a lot and they were like and now a car has hit you just in the knee and it was so fun like if I could do video game voiceovers for forever I totally would because it was literally just me in a booth like imagining myself dying in all of these extreme ways and Alex with directing have you been kind of obviously you learn as you go along but have you been to film school or have you how, how did it come about well, I always had a feeling that I wanted to be a director even before I knew what that meant. Okay. Uh, and I, th- I think I just knew it was the person who made a lot of the choices that brought the thing up onto the screen. Um, n- not like a very valid definition, but um, I went to school for English writing, actually. And then I did okay. a, a study abroad at FAMU in Prague. And that was a film-specific uh, in my undergrad, that study abroad. And then I went to DePaul University in Chicago for film, for an MFA. So I, I, did, I did get some formal education. Uh, and were you kind of one of these people that learned as you were going along? So I know a lot of directors would even just like buy a book and read about Tarantino or Kevin Smith or Wes Anderson and then kind of watch the making of documentaries and stuff like that. Are you kind of practical in the way that you learn or do you prefer just to read lots and lots of literature? Well, it's kind of funny. I get really jealous when I am like watching all those behind the scenes. I I like, because it it all feels so unattainable until you're doing it. And so I think a lot of the times I find myself finding films that for some reason or another, like really strike me um, and maybe didn't strike everybody else. But then I, I try to investigate myself why, why it was so moving for me. And so a lot of the times it's like, it's watching films, it's reading fiction, um, because I think I have to use my imagination when I'm reading fiction in a way that I don't 
when I'm watching films. Um, yeah, and then it's, it's just learning the tools because I, I find that a lot of directing is just limiting the tools you can use. Saying like, all right, well, we're only gonna use close-ups in, in this sequence and we, we, we have no more tools. And like, you know, what does that end up meaning and how does it make people feel? So that's kind of my process. I've been looking at the behind the scenes more and more um, and find, feeling like I missed out big time. Uh, so I've been re doing a lot of director's commentaries, Steven Soderbergh and yeah. Mike Nichols, and I, I get a lot out of specific filmmakers. So I've been watching loads on YouTube recently and stuff, and um, even just stuff to like The Mandalorian, the Star Wars stuff, having all these different directors talking about how they shoot and the, the practical effects and everything, and it blows my mind, the stuff yeah. that you can access now just by literally going online. It's amazing. Yeah, yeah. There's a great podcast that Deacons is doing called Team Deacons. Why? Wow. He, he's bringing on a bunch of DPs and directors. And wow. It's just great to hear them talk shop, to just be a fly on the wall. It's great. Incredible. And Kelly, obviously you were um, acting for quite a long time, but then you've recently got into writing, which we've talked about. And this St. Francis is kind of on the, 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 the one that you've been fully involved in. At uh, what point was it you decided you wanted to kind of stop acting for a little bit and focus purely on writing? Because obviously you can't be juggling all of them at the moment. Yeah, I was doing a play at Steppenwolf and was just staring down unemployment because I didn't have another play lined up. And I had the beginnings of the idea for the movie. And so I would sit back in the dressing room at Steppenwolf when I wasn't on stage and I would write. And um, as I was doing that, I began to show pages to Alex. And he was like, this is really good. Keep going. And so as I completed a draft three months later, we were like, can we make it this summer? Which now I think about that and it just feels impossible. I don't know how we did it. From the <laughs> time that I started writing it, six months later, we were shooting. Um, but I think the scrappiness, the scrappy nature of independent film let us do it. And the timing of me staring down that unemployment worked out really well. And when you're sitting there writing and kind of getting a idea of how it would look on screen, did you at that point cast yourself as Bridget or were you kind of looking at somebody else to hand it to? Or was it a case of this is something I can see myself acting Yeah, I wrote it with my voice in mind, meaning that I wrote it with my sense of humor and um, kind of imagining that I would play it, but I was also sort of pessimistic and I was like, this will probably never get made. I'll probably never play this. And um, then as it got closer and closer, I started getting cold feet about whether or not I should actually play it because I'm not famous. And traditional wisdom is that you probably need somebody with a little bit of name recognition in order for an independent film to be noticed at all. But Alex was very encouraging and he was like, no, you should be the person to play this part. Don't worry about it. The story will be enough. And that so far has been really true. Yeah. And then how did you get involved in directing? Is it a case of that you're both discussing and just thought it's natural that I do it? Or were you kind of, well, how did it come about that you thought, I love this. I love what you're writing. I'm really into this. But, but there's got to be a decision and a point where you think, I will do this. I will take it on. Yeah, well, Really, it was, it was very much what you described. It was reading the pages and saying, wow, this is incredible. This is funny. This is heartwarming. This feels earnest. That was a big part of it for me. It was just that it was earnest. It wasn't cynical or satirical. It felt like it was coming from a, a true place. Um, really early on, it was 
because I was also sort of thinking like a producer as you do when you're directing in the indie space. And I was thinking, oh, we could do this. We could really do this. Um, and we don't know enough to not do it. We don't know enough to like limit the locations or, you know, I think we could really do this. And, and sure enough, when I sent it to my producers and our DP, Nate, um, they were all just as in love with it as I was. And so it became this, I think I know that I'm involved when like my, my family, so to speak, becomes invested. And then it's all, it's, it's both feet in the water. And I was trying to think if we ever had a conversation, a formal conversation where I was like, would you direct this? I think it was all kind of implied. Maybe at one point we were like, so you're, you're going to direct this. I think it was like, there was like an insecurity for sure, where I probably many times said, and are you sure, <laughs> are you sure you want me to direct this? And you were like, of course, of course, of course. And uh, in the back of my head, I was like, well, if Kelly, if Kelly like had the confidence to take this on herself, I'm sure she would do it. But um, no, I wouldn't. That would have been too much to act, direct and, and write. That would have been terrible. But I, I was really happy to, to, to take it on because it was such a, it was an unexpected first film for me, somebody who grew up on like Humphrey Bogart films. And it, it just showed how sort of honesty and storytelling can like, ripple through any anything whether it has a cute kid in it or a pop soundtrack or or whatever and at what point did it become a reality that you were sat there you'd done this script you said you directed but what was it that got the green light was it the fact that you had all this team behind you which you said a family all approved and kind of said let's do it or what was it did you have to raise funding how, how did it go about that you got involved in making it reality we basically very it, well, I should say I very like irresponsibly was like, I bet we could do this for nothing. <laughs> and, and you can find nothing pretty easily. Yeah. So it, we, it was just, all right, this is happening. And instead of scaring ourselves and saying, we have to raise this number of dollars by this day, we said, we have to find Francis by this, by X day. We have to find Francis by July 1st or the end of June. And, um, and so that's what we did. We, 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 instead of thinking about, you know, we had nose to the grindstone, we're going to find all the, the financing we can. But instead of focusing on that, we said, all right, well, assuming that all works out, we got to find this, this young girl. So. And Kay, with the stuff that you had written and obviously the script and everything that was going along, while you were on set and you were obviously filming and you know you'd written this as well, was there any points where you were kind of changing ideas or rewriting parts that just didn't seem or fit that were going well as you had that full ownership while you're actually on set instead of letting somebody else take it and write a screenplay and do this you were fully in control of it for the most part there was very little rewriting on set and i think that's because alex and i had had a very intensive prep process of yeah. going line by line through the script and saying do we really believe the scene should contain all of this dialogue? And we had had a couple of table readings with the actors. And so the actors had gotten to ask all of their questions and read it out loud so that we felt like when it came to being on set, we weren't having to do that that often. Occasionally we would say like, oh, let's add a little bit of like talking right at the top of the scene. Right. Um, but that was very occasionally. 
And how did you feel when the film was actually finished and then you got to the point where I looked on Rotten Tomatoes and IMDb, the reviews are absolutely fantastic. Um, you've got some uh, festival awards. It must be unbelievable to know that like one of your biggest debuts for some of you, if you're writing and directing and stuff like this, your big film moment was appreciated so highly. It's just been the best surprise in the world because in my head, it was unlikely that more than a couple of people were going to see this movie. And that was for me. Alex had much more belief in it, but I just didn't know how it was going to go because I've been in independent films before that are fine. And then they kind of like dip back in down into the sea that you like never see them again. Um, but I think when we premiered at South by and we started getting some of those really amazing reviews from like really good publications. Yeah. I just kept being floored by every new one that would come out or every time an audience member would come up and talk about how much the film meant to them. Yeah. I think South by we, we don't give enough credit to because without that festival, we had no really legitimate premiere in sight at that point. You know, if it weren't for that festival really taking a chance on us, you know, we had no rep, we had no sort of, um, I, I don't know, we, we didn't have like a muscle to us at all. Um, I don't think we would have had the audience that we had, mm -hmm. which included so many wonderful people. And of course, you know, out of the 67, 68 reviews, I know by heart the rotten ones. Um, <laughs> but it has been wonderful to see like that overwhelming support. It's really cool, especially in today's day and age. Do you kind of both get affected by the sort of negativity. I know that some anti-abortion people are just putting one star reviews just because they're assholes um, and they just want to terrorize and leave a bad thing and try and knock good people down. Do you, have you got the strength mentally just to ignore it or does it eat away at you? I don't get worried by the reviews that clearly the person disagrees with abortion and so they're yeah. just immediately discounting the film um because then i think well they're, they're not even really giving it a chance i get much more demoralized by the people who are like this movie's okay it's a c like i'm a i'm a woman i think blah blah, blah. and the people who <laughs> that i care about their opinions um the people who dismiss it um in that way but the one star reviews, I was expecting many more of those, honestly, because yeah. I come from the South and I come from an Irish Catholic background. And so I was sort of prepped for any sort of hate that might come our way. Yeah. Yeah, I, I don't, I, I think we all had to be so critical of the, the film ourselves and of the story. And, and we, as soon as we finished, we were already thinking about what, we would do differently next time. Not, not with the film itself, but with storytelling in general. Mm -hmm. And so I, any of the reasonable, um, not misogynistic uh, reviews, uh, I'm kind of like, yeah, yeah, okay, I get it, I get it. All right, Hollywood Reporter, I get it, I, I see you, I understand. Uh, but uh, um, yeah, so I think we, we sort of have already taken that critical look. Mm -hmm. And so for the most part, we feel, I feel like we got away with something. Every like ra rave <laughs> review, I'm like, oh, wow, thank you. It must be a good feeling as well that, okay, you get those one star where they're just trying to personally attack you just because of their beliefs and stuff. But for one of those, there's 30 excellent reviews that say it's the best indie film of the year. They absolutely loved it. They could relate to certain parts. It's the, 
you know, the go-to film this year. Some of the reviews, I haven't seen any sort of five or sixes. I've just seen like nine and tens or the anti one star. I'm just going to try and bring your overall score down. It's one of those films I've seen. Everyone absolutely loves it or just people hate it for the actual story. Never mind the actual directing or cinematography mm-hmm. or film. So it must be good just to take, take the good ones that come. A hundred percent. And that really is so meaningful for us. Um, I don't know that we should even say this, but we really, we pay attention to the things that people write about the movie do, yeah. and we pay attention to, and not just critics, to, um, to, to people who are finding it sort of randomly online and watching it in their homes. We really, I read every single thing that pops up. And so I take all of those wonderful reviews, very generous reviews. I take those to heart and they're incredibly meaningful for, for us. Yeah. Seeing people see themselves in the film has been the best. Yeah. Best surprise. That's one of the compliments you can get, really, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's been the best. And Alex, you were just saying then when you were talking and thinking and reading reviews and thinking what you'd do differently next time, what's kind of been the biggest lesson for yourself in directing this film? Is there something that you really kind of wish you could go back and change or that you know next time you'll do differently? Well... I think that as a director, there's nothing for me more boring than directing a scene that isn't necessary where two people stand across from each other and talk. It is just mind numbing because you know, no matter what the content of the scene is, you're going to spend like eight hours doing that. Yeah. And the light's not going to change. And, and, uh, and so I, I think I've been thinking more and more about like, expanding that like cinematic vocabulary from go from from the script stage saying like okay well how can we make this necessary and dynamic how can we make every scene kind of be this the scene that people remember the scene that you know that plays at the in memoriam at the oscar someday (laughs) and they're like kelly and alex you know and it's whatever but i i think trying to find that uh cutting saint francis i realized how much of the film is like a face to a face to a face to a face. And I really, I'm looking forward to sort of the world spilling out from the, the frame more and more as we, as we move, move forward. And for you, Kelly, now that you've written and starred in this, would you like your next kind of uh, chapter in your life to be something that you do the same? Are you very attached to the fact that you can write and then take control of that character? Or would you like to kind of take a step back and let someone else do it this time? Or how, how's your kind of head after doing St. Francis? Yeah, so the next thing that I've written, I will not act in it, which I'm very excited not to act in it, but Alex and I will co-direct. Yeah. And so it feels like a really lovely progression to go from, you know, writing and acting in something to then writing and directing it. Um, it feels like taking more and more ownership and, and having more and more creative control. And um, I'm excited about that. That's excellent. And what is next for you both? Obviously you just gave me a little hint that you've written something, but you're not starring in it. Are you able to talk at this point about it or is there kind of, uh, are we not allowed to know just yet? No, I mean, we're happy to talk about yeah. it in vague terms. We're right at the beginning. I mean, there's a completed draft and we know that we'll be co-directing but we still haven't you know coming from the indie space we're still trying to figure out how to 
take a step up in terms of filmmaking, how to have more resources and not having to be pulling in a bunch of favors, but how to maintain that creative control and that independent spirit. And so we're figuring out how to make this next yeah. movie. And then Alex has, you know, projects of his own and we're adapting something together. So yeah. we kind of have a lot of possibilities. Yeah, we'll be with this project that we're directing together called Mouse. We'll be at IFP week um, in a month or two. Yeah, in um, September. In September, so we'll be we'll be there looking for partners and collaborators and financiers. So it's very exciting. I mean, everything that's happened at the moment in the world where it's just gone a bit insane with the COVID and stuff. Everyone's kind of had to take a bit of a, a hit, or the the stuff they're working on isn't going to happen as quickly as possible. Have you guys had to take a big step back in the way of producing and getting these ideas, or are you at the stage at the moment where it's not been too bad? The, the nice thing is that with the um, having to take a beat, everything just gets better because yeah. we're forced to work on it. So it actually, we've been, we've been working on this, this pitch for this children's book. Um, both of us have been sort of fine tuning scripts and reaching out to, to actors that we want to work with. And um, it, the nice thing is that people are reading right now. Mm-hmm. So um I, I think it's in in a weird way it's been like a forced um, writer's retreat in the best scenario. Um, in the worst, we've just been avoiding disaster. <laughs> but in the best, it's been survive. Yeah. 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 Both are true. Uh, and what about you, Kelly? Are you kind of in a good place at the moment? Are you looking forward to now getting involved in your next project and co-directing? I mean, that's a that's a hell of a a step for you both. You need to make sure you're very uh, comfortable with working with each other. You don't want to be like at each other's throats at the end of each day. It's true. Quarantine has really prepped us for that though. I mean, talk about like uh, just this little crucible of experience. Yeah. We're spending all day, every day together for four months. And so I feel like we're in a good place when it comes to communication. And We should probably self-isolate at the end <laughs> of each shooting day. Yeah. That's right, just to get some time alone. Yeah, yeah. Every other day, see each other. Like, how's the movie? That's right, yeah. But no, more than anything, it's just made me feel so excited to one day be able to make a movie again. Yeah. All the filmmakers are feeling that way, that we're, like, just rearing at the starting gate, being like, okay, it's going to happen, just when? I I can't even remember the last time I went to the cinema and stuff. I've been looking forward to seeing Christopher Nolan's new film. I've been so excited. It keeps getting pushed back. I I actually can't get my head around the uh, process of going and watching a film again now. It just seems so alien because it's just a a room full of people sitting next door enjoying something. It's been such a long time since you could do that. So it's just, it's quite weird to kind of think we can do that again, hopefully in the next few months. Yeah. 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 It'll be strange as we all start to take those baby steps back into normalcy, whatever that is. And then we'll have the second wave and then all of us will be back to reset. I know. A question I ask everyone, um, it doesn't matter if it's Anthony Hopkins or someone that's acting or a singer or anything, but I I want you to both uh, answer this question for me is, do you, what advice can you kind of give to people that are trying to make a name for themselves in the business? Um, you've both kind of been involved in producing or acting or directing or co-directing, but I know at the moment you're not where you want to be. There's obviously loads of mountains to climb. I'm sure you want, like you said, want to get an Oscar one day and be in these huge, huge budget films. But for, uh, for the fact that you have had some films out and you've both been involved in a lot of projects and you've had some great feedback on your film, 
what advice do you give to those people that are listening right now that are screenwriters or wanting to put pen and paper together and make their first script? What, what advice can you give to kind of help them at this time? Mm-hmm. I mean, for me, knowing, I feel like I just learned that there's real value to taking something that you might feel like you would be scared to show the world or to scare, be scared to put pen to paper and to write about something that feels vulnerable, but true. Sharing that with people, I think is incredibly powerful and people feel seen by that because odds are you're not alone in whatever that experience is. And so writing from a place of, you know, authenticity um, coupled with a lot of empathy. I think if you can have empathy for a lot of your characters and be interested in how complicated life is, um, I think that is valuable and that, that people are hungry for those kinds of stories. And what about you? I think advice I give is just to, in whatever way you can, make work. Because if you wait around for someone else to give you permission, you will lose the thing that made it feel necessary in the first place. I think there are a lot of gatekeepers in this business. And I would say that 75% of that is bullshit. And the more, the quicker you can make something on your own that affects people, that makes people laugh, that makes people cry, that makes them feel something, the quicker you'll realize that that's, that those gatekeepers are, are serving themselves only. Um, you know, we made St. Francis with, with no political clout whatsoever, you know, no political capital at all. And um, I'm very proud of that. And so whenever I go into a meeting and, and I hear a version of, congrats on the movie, next, the next film you'll really need us, I think to myself, well, we already did it without you. Yeah. So, so what, else, what else are you bringing? Um, and it's so valuable to have that that confidence. And I think you won't have it until you've just gone out and done it and got good enough that you feel like, Oh, I'm all right. I'm all right. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I love that answer. That's awesome. And, uh, I'm the same. I do the podcast on my own. I edit, I produce, I record, I schedule the interviews and someone's like, Oh, I can help and do this and that. I'm like, well, I've been okay for a couple of years to be honest. Like I don't need someone else to come in and change the dynamic or the format because I am quite comfortable in what I'm doing. So yeah yeah really important to still have that ownership yourself and be able to make sure it's yours and it's pure because if someone comes in and changes it or for you like tells you a different way to film it or you shouldn't do this and you cast that person it's no longer yours is it that's yeah. right yeah and and if you don't know what it feels like for it to be yours then you won't ever know when it starts to stray mm-hmm. yeah and, and so it's almost like saint francis is like a north star yeah. You can always remember what it felt like to do it. And so we'll know if we're getting if we're getting screwed over. And most of the time people giving you advice, they're trying to replicate something that's been done before or that was already successful. They're not interested in taking a risk. And I think this sort of risk mentality is really important and saying, well, we don't need to do it the way it's been done before. Yeah. yeah, I was talking to a director the other day and I asked the same question and I said, what, you know, what advice do you give to those people that want to be the next Kevin Smith or Quentin Tarantino? And he said, well, the first answer I can give you is 
don't try and become the next Quentin Tarantino. Don't try and become the next Kevin Smith. Be the next whoever you are because then you're original. Then you're not going to be compared. And I thought that's a really good advice that, you know, too many people try and aspire to be the next Scorsese. Well, don't be the next Scorsese. Be the next you. That's right. right. Yeah, because those spots are already taken. <laughs> and you don't want to just make like the diet version of whatever they've exactly. made. Exactly. And some of those people have become that for a reason. And I think you'd always try and reach for stars that are just too far away <laughs> that's right yeah yeah it's true but last question for you both is you've hinted but what is next for you both have you got any more stuff uh kelly is acting or are you kind of taking a step back and putting everything into this new um film that you're writing only yeah i'm trying to just focus on the writing because if i could do anything it would be get this movie made right now and um and then i'm writing a second feature after that so i'm trying to just channel all of my energy into writing and alex um co-directing with kelly on mouse and then i have a script that is um out to a few wonderful actors that i think if if it gets interest from them i think it'll start the ball rolling and it's a it's a rather controversial political thriller so wow something different Controversial means a lot more one stars in the future as well. (laughs) I'm ready for it. I'm ready for it. Be that guy that just goes for the most amount of one stars. Yeah, yeah. I think if this film doesn't get death threats, this next one will. So, (laughs) yeah, yeah. Just don't make a film about Trump supporters right now. That would be the one that I think gets the biggest hate. Yes, well... Wow. <laughs> wow. I can't say much more, but uh, <laughs> wow. Yeah. Um, I want to thank you both for coming on the podcast today. It's been an absolute pleasure to speak to you both. Um, I'm really excited for what the future holds for you, and I think it's going to be really exciting to see where it goes next. Um, anyone that's listening, I hope now goes and checks out St. Francis. Obviously, the best places I'm sure to go are the Amazons and the Apple and all, all the sort of stuff like that. But yeah, I really, really enjoyed it. And uh, I'm, I'm really, really grateful for your time. Thank you Thank so you. much. This Thank you for the blast. thoughtful conversation and for watching the movie. So there it is. There's my interview with Kelly O'Sullivan and Alex Thompson, both absolutely lovely guests from start to finish and an absolute pleasure to have them both on the Mark and Me podcast. I absolutely think these guys have a huge future ahead of them. To know that this is Kelly's first proper writing project and it's turned out so well, St. Francis looks absolutely fantastic. The dialogue, the script, everything is unbelievable. The way Alex has directed this is absolutely outstanding and it really is one of the best comedy and dramas I've seen in a long time. It tackles a very, very tough subject matter and this could be done so badly if not with the respect it deserves, but both of them do it perfectly and really is one of my favourite independent films I've seen in a very long time. I urge you all to go and check it out and obviously get on social media and let me know what you think. I always forward the comments that you guys leave onto the guests that have been on the show and they absolutely love reading them so please keep them coming on Twitter or Facebook or Instagram or email. If you haven't got the links just go on to markandme.com because they're all on there. Obviously at the moment 
times are hard everyone knows this we're currently in lockdown and the podcast has just been renewed for another 12 months thanks to all the support on my patreon page i've been able to subscribe to another 12 months on spotify podomatic and itunes that means you're going to get another year of mark and me at least and i truly believe that right now i'm recording my best work but i do need the support on patreon the podcast will always be free but what i try and do is on my patreon reward my listeners with some unique prizes that are kind of being either given to me by the guests or I can go out and get some really, really cool treats to kind of reward all these listeners. You can go on Mark and Me and it's on there and you can subscribe from as little as something like a pound a month and every penny that you do and donate goes back into the podcast and I really do need it to keep this podcast going so I really appreciate it. I will be back in only a few days' time. I've been recording absolutely loads of podcasts during lockdown and honestly I've got some incredible different types of guests coming up from huge different backgrounds that I've never ventured into before and I'm really excited. So stay tuned, I'll be back in a few days and I'll speak to you all then. Take care.